Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. And welcome to episode 392 of Geek Town Radio. I'm your host, Dave, and I'm back with... Kitty, kitty, kitty. Bex, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm doing well today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, too. So uh, it's been a little while since you've been on because you've been offered a super secret project. So <laughs> Yes, I, I've been signing NDAs left, right and centre. Um, it's yeah, it, it's a strange experience, I've, I've got to say. Like, I've done things for small things before, but never when someone said, don't talk about this for about a year. I'm like, I, you understand <laughs> I talk about things for a living. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of my thing um but no obviously um yeah i i've been away which means i've been away from streaming and other things but i'm i'm back now although i'm only back for a couple of weeks then immediately i'm leaving for gamescom ah very cool which one's gamescom is that the germany one it is it is the five days of 12 hour days in germany um I'm... so i'm gonna be exhausted please don't put me on a podcast straight after i get back from that <laughs> <laughs> right okay that's the huge one that you got lost in last time <laughs> yes that would be the one the one where i needed to get to hall nine couldn't remember the german for nine and didn't want to just yell nine at people when they asked if i wanted help because that seemed counterintuitive <laughs> um it's it's absolutely massive it's a brilliant event it's it's wonderful but you do need to be there for more than a couple of days to see it all uh, approximately every single event i could think of in the uk would fit inside to a single <laughs> gamescom each hall's about the size of the Excel Center. There's 10 of them and some of them have two floors. Wow. It is a vast event. It's incredible. It's I think it's now the biggest one we have in the world. I think. Uh, well, it if certainly sounds not, like it. I certainly don't want to find out what's a larger event because <laughs> I got very, very lost um, <laughs> trying to find my way around. People were very helpful. They were very lovely. There's lots of signs in multiple languages and things all over the place. People were very helpful, but I didn't always entirely know where I was going. I wanted to explore, but I needed to also find my way back. Not to say that that's a fairly normal state for you, but... 
<laughs> yeah, the dyspraxia is strong with this one, but uh, I think at Gamescom, I don't think it was just me. <laughs> I think this was one place where everyone could sort of empathize and sympathize with my normal state of being at events. Um, but yeah, having that many halls, I mean, it was incredible to see that many different companies from small companies, from, you know, there's, there's a retro gaming area, there's modern games where you get to see the latest and greatest things and queue up to, to get a glance at those long before anyone else gets to see them. There's huge stands. Like I went to meet people at the Sega stand and realized the Sega stand is what I would think of as like 10 stands. <laughs> so you're kind of going around just trying to find the person you're trying to meet. And then you're like, right, we're meeting by the giant Sonic Origin sign. You know, this is this is the only way to find my way around inside this stand. Um, <laughs> it's an incredible event. If you get the chance to go, just it's something where you have to book it up months and months in advance. Yeah. Um, booking somewhere near the venue obviously costs a lot more because they know you're booking it for that event. Um, But they've got a really good rail system out there and it's really easy to find your way around and rail travel is super cheap. So it's a lot easier than you would think to kind of navigate around in a foreign country. I mean, I did Spanish at school, not German as well. So, you (laughs) know, I know nothing, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. And people were were really lovely. It has a really good vibe to it as well. I'd say about the event as well. Like it was just a nice place to be just really long days. So if you are going and you're not working like me, book in some time for breaks, (laughs) go outside for lunch, stuff like that. Remind yourself that the sun exists, Mm -hmm. but super cool. Have you not been to it at all then? I've not done that one. No, I should go out and do that one at some point. That's very cool. The super secret thing that you've been working on. Can you tell us anything about what you've been doing on that? I can tell you something I was doing that that was not my main job. Okay. Is that is that a good compromise? Yes, okay, let's let's do that. Something that was not remotely what I was actually there for, but I had the chance to do, was uh, they needed some extra people who had some experience with sort of acting and improv and things to, to go into the mocap. <laughs> for those who don't know what mocap is, it's, it's motion capture. It's just a shorter version of that. And uh, whenever you see computer game characters walking around and things and they're very human movements, they're often mocapped. It's the silly suits covered in ping pong balls, including a hat covered in little ping pong balls. Please you... tell me there are photos. <laughs> there are photos. Yes. Um, <laughs> I did get to choose my suit though, so my mocap suit's purple. It's on brand. Okay. <laughs> I've got yeah. a purple mocap suit on. And yeah, I got to do some movements and things that will be used for some background stuff that I can't describe exactly what I was doing. Uh, but I did get to do the Macarena just for my own enjoyment <laughs> and watch this. 3D perfect, it's instantaneous. Like the the thing was amazing. Like there's massive screens all around me so I can see what's happening with this digital version of me. And I I made it do the Macarena. I don't think that's going to make it into what we were working on. (laughs) (laughs) I suspect uh, they were just humoring me at that point. However, (laughs) I have seen a digital version of me that looked a bit like a Tron character, (laughs) like on a big screen do the Macarena. And that made me happy. Uh, have you ever seen mocap done? I've, I've seen videos of stuff of mo- yeah. mocap done. And in some of the studio tours, they have a very, very basic version of it where it's obviously not in the suit, but you can stand in front of a camera and sort of move a character around by sort of waving your arms about and stuff. So it gives you a kind of idea of mocap working. But It's cool that you get to T-pose. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like every good computer game character does, because they have to get you to do some basic mo- motions to calibrate it because yeah. they've put the suit's got a lot of things on and then they put some additional markers on 
like at joints and bones, it's obviously variable per person, right? The suits are vaguely different sizes, but you're still, every human's a bit different. So they have it there. They're basically covered in Velcro. Right, yeah. And then they have these little, like tiny ping pong ball things that are on these little stems on these little x-shaped bits of velcro Mm -hmm. and they adjust them on you and stick extra ones on you um (laughs) and if you do cross your arms doing the macarena you do accidentally pull some of them off um (laughs) (laughs) but you were popular for that yes (laughs) Uh, but the thing is the system can lose quite a few and still work because obviously people do all sorts of like really elaborate stuff in mocap they do if you think about in computer games yeah, yeah. When you see complicated moves with weaponry and fight sequences and, and things like that, there's a lot of mocap. And I think in movies as well, there's a there's a lot of things where you see and you go, hey, that person looks a bit uncanny valley because they've been replaced with a digital version of themselves. And there's mocap for the movements because they're having a fight while flying midair or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are designed. And I was surprised to see how many of them you could remove, just because I'm a scientist, um, before it actually broke the tracking. Like it, it was extrapolating the data really well after it had been collaborated. If you take your hat off, though, because <laughs> you've got to wear like a skull cappy thing with yeah. these things on. If you take that off, like a swimming cappy thing, then it doesn't know where your head is anymore and your neck just breaks <laughs> so that you can walk around and you, you look like a, a Resident Evil like background zombie because your head just like falls onto your shoulder. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and you can kind of like jump around and like, Wah! which again, um, won't make it into the final products, but was very amusing to see. Um, so yeah, the technology and how far the technologies comes just absolutely amazing so it was a it was a real pleasure to get to be you know asked to to do a bit of that because that's a a new experience that's obviously going on my cv i'm now a mocap actor too right yes absolutely Um, you know i got to do that it it was professional um it was part (laughs) of a job and it was really really good fun to to be like a a tron computer game character on a big screen move around t-pose i was like do i get to t-pose and they were just like oh god we've got a gamer and um They were like, no, first we need you to stand like this with your arms to your side. Now we need you to like bend each knee. Now we need you to put your arms above your head, you know. And then they were like, right, now you can T-pose looking at me as I'm <laughs> grinning like a Cheshire cat. Just like, I'm a real computer game character now. You know, the opposite of Pinocchio here. And um, yes. it was a good, fun experience. And um, I definitely learned a lot. And they gave me a lot of direction and things. So if I ever get to do it again, which I would love to do, I will probably still be smiling like a like an idiot yes, Sure. Whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I've learned a lot more about what it can do and how to, you know, you don't actually need to exaggerate your movements that much. Like yeah. it's got finger tracking now with cameras. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like you, I was like moving my fingers around and watching them, watching them move on the screen because there's all these cameras pointed at you on top of that. Yeah, it's very, very, very clever. So I recommend it. Um, but I do have pictures and I do look silly. So I, I will get permission to post those up very, very shortly. Excellent. That's what we want to see. <laughs> that's what you want to see. You just want to be able to laugh at me. Absolutely. Yes. That's that's, that's, that's entirely the reason. <laughs> So other than that, what have you been watching and playing? So I actually got to go to the cinema. Wow. Yes. I, I, I went outside and it wasn't for work. I, <laughs> I want some some brownie points for yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. It's more yeah, than I've I, done so. I saw uh, Mutant Mayhem, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Ah, yes. How was that? It's, I mean, it is, I will prefix this with, it is a children's movie. Yes. Uh, it is very much a, a kid's movie aimed at sort of kids and, and young teens. But it's visually 
it's really interesting because it almost looks like claymation stop motion animation in the way oh. they've mixed things together. It's called Animation on Twos, where every pose is held for an extra frame, giving the scenes a more frantic, frenzied energy. There you go. That's a description on the internet. So yeah, and because of the style of animation they've gone for and the way they've animated it on twos like that, at times you're looking at it going, it really looks solid. It really looks like claymation. But then they also do all this fun stuff with it where instead of having just flat areas, they often have scribbles, sometimes moving crayon looking scribbles. Oh, wow. So whenever there's electricity or an explosion or they want to show some fast movement, like water splashing, uh, they've put like these, I mean, they look to me hand done, but they could be, you know, it's cleverly digitally hand yeah, done, yeah. like scribbles moving in these things, motion blur, stuff like that's all done with this very kind of like, I'm going to say visceral because it, it makes it feel like so much like, as I said, like manic is a, is a word they've used to describe the animation style. But yeah, it's very, very fun. And it's worth watching it as long as you're okay with it being a kid's film. The plot is not complicated. Um, <laughs> if I say there's some turtles, there's a bit of an origin story. They make friends with April. There's then a baddie. <laughs> the baddie then gets slightly bigger and is a boss. <laughs> right, okay. They have to defeat the baddie when they're a bit powered up at the end. This isn't really a, a spoiler, but that yeah. is kind of the story. It's more about the turtles making friends. I mean, I do think they overdid the referential humour. Right. I mean, it made Buffy look subtle in the amount of references it dropped. <laughs> So I do think that although the animation is kind of gorgeous and timeless in this style they've done it in, they make so many hugely specific references. Um, <laughs> I mean, one of them even said, you need to improvise. And the other one said, like Mark Ruffalo when he's being the Hulk in that movie, <laughs> referencing the scene which was actually improv dialogue in one of the Avengers films. And it was just so specific that... Um, I do think that the dialogue is going to date it within a few years. Right. Yeah, you that know? is the problem. And they're referencing a lot of things. And I get that they're referencing a lot of things their target demographic is going to get. Although they did reference Attack on Titan multiple times. And I was like, the kids that are watching this aren't old enough to watch Attack on Titan. That's a very violent series that has very complex socio-political world building. And like, I'm not convinced. Like, was that a reference for the parents watching? I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. But they referenced so many things um, yeah. but the but the animation was stunning the characterization the voice acting that was all very good they had some big names in there as well it was very cool i wasn't sure about watching it at the cinema because i was like well this is just it's an animated film i can watch that on a decent sized telly but actually because of how well it was animated it was worth going to the cinema for yeah just looking through some of the names that they got in that cast list did you yeah like, i was there because i didn't know before i went in and i was just like is there Seth Rogen is that John Cena is that Ice Cube yes it is yeah uh, Giancarlo Esposito is in there Rose Byrne Mayor Rudolph Post Malone apparently is in a bit in there uh, Hannibal Burgess yeah there's a crazy number of yeah uh, you, you've names. missed the most obvious one as well I left that one for you Jackie Chan is Splinter oh yes yes Jackie Chan sorry <laughs> I completely missed that yes I politely left that one for you um, but yeah Jackie Chan is, is Splinter and mm. it's very obvious and definitely a couple of scenes that Jackie Chan choreographed some of the fight scenes. <laughs> it's like there's there's a bit with an office chair. It's so obviously 
Jackie Chan, or at the very least, heavily Jackie Chan inspired yes. choreography. I'm assuming they got him on to consult for that because I mean he, they he, had him on yeah, stuff well, already. Why It'd wouldn't be you? Foolish yeah. not to get one of the best fight choreographers in the world to choreograph a comedy fight. But yeah, there's a lot of fun action. It's just a, a really beautiful film. Like I was not prepared for how good it looked because I hadn't watched any trailers. I went in completely just like let's just see. But yeah, very simple story. Very fun though. Lots of jokes. Uh, lots of referential humor. Also, I will say that this is the most teenage I've seen the turtles. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're younger. Okay. Than they than they're normally portrayed. Like you often think of them as teenagers, but they're sort of portrayed quite often, especially in the the older material that that I grew up with, as sort of more like sixteen to eighteen. You yeah. Know? They're yeah. teenagers, but they're they've got their heads screwed on and they're highly trained and they're quite independent. Yeah. In this one, they're more like 13 to 16. Right, okay. They're much more like teenage kids and they're very sweet. They're, they're the kind of brotherly interactions between them all are, are all quite adorable. Cool. Yeah, I mean, the reviews it's been getting have been pretty good mm. across the board. So uh, I think it's yeah, it's got a 96 rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, it's, I'm glad that they've managed to make a Turtles movie which has gone down so well. That's awesome. Yeah, they've done exactly sort of what the mission statement was, which was make a fun kids and teens, but with some family appeal blockbuster that looks pretty, that's got a lot of gags in it. They've clearly achieved what they set out to do. Yes. Awesome. So that's one of the films you've been watching. Gaming wise, anything? Gaming wise, I mean, obviously, I've still got Diablo 4 going on. That's a, that's going to be ongoing for quite some time. Yes. Um, but other than that, uh, the last thing I played was yesterday, I got access to a demo for a new indie game that's out on Kickstarter. Right. The game is called Kitchen Confidence. <laughs> and as I pointed out to my chat many times last night, as things were on fire, it's not called Kitchen Competence. Okay. <laughs> it's by a little group called 150 Beanies. Their logo looks like a little hat. It's very cute um, <laughs> it's it's a kitchen simulator game it's it's chaos and as somebody got halfway through the stream watching i went it's like tower defense with food i was like <laughs> it is like tower defense with food that's probably why it's on fire so yeah it's kitchen management and um you've got a restaurant to run you can hire and fire all your staff you've got all your productivity you can follow all of that drill down information but on the surface the kind of top thing is just like choose what's on the menu orders come into the tables extra orders can come by takeaway by phone try and keep on top of everything try and do all the prep work by the downtime try and keep the kitchen clean try and keep enough plates out of the dishwasher and it's very funny there's also a raccoon on all the artwork and i want to know what the angry raccoon with the <laughs> chef hat has got to do with anything because i haven't seen it in the demo they also told me that because uh, they were in the stream they were very lovely they popped by the chat at the stream and um oh, cool because i was saying thank god there's no health inspector because this kitchen's filthy part of it's on fire i've only got two members of staff and they're both currently crying um, <laughs> and uh, they were like oh we're implementing a health inspector soon it just isn't in the demo i was just like well i'm glad it's not <laughs> oh, this place would be shut down immediately but yeah lots of lots of fun comedy silly i know you play a lot of sort of sim management games and, and you like your humor in things as well yes i like those sort of games a lot and that's one i'll have to go and check out at some point because that that looks like it could be quite good fun i'm amazed even virtually they let you loose in a kitchen because you're the type of person that whilst you're playing a virtual kitchen game your actual kitchen will spontaneously combust so uh, 
they uh, they gave me a chef's hat. <laughs> oh God! I have a chef's hat now. That gives you a ridiculous amount of overconfidence. That's never a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that, for me, it was definitely kitchen overconfidence. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it was it was good, silly fun, and um, I feel quite privileged to have been given access to to the demo because it's not out for the public yet. But the Kickstarter is up, and it's up on Steam if people want to wishlist it or follow. I think it's 150 underscore BDs on Twitter, but you can find them if you want to check it out. Because I love small, like grassroots indie projects. Yeah. No, I absolutely. love seeing people love that have just games. come together who love a genre and have decided to throw their hat or beanie, in this case, in the ring and put something together. So, um, yeah, they also claim it's based on real experiences in working <laughs> That's in a restaurant. Um, the raccoon really makes me wonder <laughs> more at this point. Why is there an angry raccoon in all the artwork? But yeah, they, they say that it's based on the real experience of running a kitchen, which sort of cements in me why I should never be allowed to work in or run a restaurant. Yes, completely. It's fact, we wonder whether the people that are running 150 beanies are like just three angry raccoons sort of stacked on top <laughs> of each other in a trench coat or something. Wearing a chef's hat. Wearing um, a chef's hat, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, as someone said on social media, they're letting you play a kitchen game. Have they not seen your cooking streams? <laughs> yes. To which the company actually replied and said, yes, we have seen them. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, and they still gave me this job. Um, but yeah, that was, that, that's good fun. Um, I like spent like a good four hours going through every bit of the demo. They've got like a sandboxy mode and, and uh, there's like a, a cook-off challenge where between you and an M- NPC trying to get to the first to a hundred meals delivered without failing a table or setting anything on fire um and there's lots of like different bits and pieces in that demo so yeah if anyone wants to check it out the the vod for my stream will be up for the next uh, three weeks on on tristabytes on on twitch if you want to check it out and see me attempting to play the game (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh kitchen confidence on steam that is yes any other games or TV or? I finished watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Good. Dear God, by the end, does the tone get dark and depressing and yes. the characters off character so far. And it's different watching a series back in one go versus watching a series like every year, you know? Yes, I can imagine. The, the, the change in direction just is so stark when you're just watching them all back to back. I, I, I finished it to have finished watching it by the end. Yes. I wasn't expecting that. But yeah, there were bits I'd forgotten. The, the best bits of the later series are some of the really heavy hitting emotional episodes which don't belong in Buffy because it was supposed to be a fun, campy monsters show. But yeah, some of the best directed and acted episodes in the later series are some that are just really upsetting and and just good pieces of drama, which is not what I want. (laughs) I want vampires and and I I want Spike being funny and and I want faith being badass and I want comedy interactions and catchy phrases and yeah by the end I was just like this this is just so all over the place right um and I finished it just to finish it which was kind of a shame like I I remember the series so more fondly yeah than actually watching it again um I think I might watch Angel again because I think that's probably going to have lasted I hope that's lasted better right yeah otherwise you might just have me on the podcast again in another six months going oh god Angel also wasn't so good (laughs) yeah and i think because because it started taking itself so seriously a lot of the time Mm. 
but where anything didn't work or characters were like Spike's characters, just whatever they needed that week. Right. Like, I, yeah, feel, yeah. I feel sorry for James Masters because he's trying his hardest there, but they really butchered his character nearly. And they did not know what to do with that character. Well, Kept him in because he was a fan favorite and then just used him for whatever plot they wanted. Well, that that is absolutely true because Josh really didn't want to keep him around initially. And he was forced to keep him by the network. And it's why he shows up in Angel as well. So mm. that explains why they were so horrible to the character because yeah. some of the stuff made sense. Some of it with making him, it's not a spoiler, the series is old now, but giving him his soul back and making him all kind of love struck mm-hmm. and pathetic was kind of what he was like as a human. So that kind of does make sense in yeah. some ways. But some of the other stuff they did with the character just felt like they were punishing us for liking the character. Like they wanted to make him as unlikable and as terrible a person as possible because they depicted him doing horrible things very realistically. Again, that probably comes down to the fact that Joss didn't really want the character there and he was told that he had to have him due to the network. So, so I I mean, if you look at it from that lens, I I think that probably makes quite a lot of sense. I'm not going to lie. I was not having fun near the end of it. Like, I really would have liked to have checked out of that earlier. The first few seasons, they're still lots of fun. I mean, they're dated, obviously, but there's still lots of fun in those episodes. But the later stuff just gets convoluted and just, you know, it's just how many completely indistinguishable from real human robot girlfriend characters can you throw into something? Like, how how did a school kid make a robot? Like, what technology is being used here? (laughs) The, 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 The monsters? Yes. okay, that's just in the realms of magic robot with AI. Yes. We're just like, I was just like, for one episode as a gag, yeah, you can't just keep bringing that stuff back and then use that in really pivotal, emotionally upsetting episodes. <laughs> like, it was just, um, yeah, it was weird near the end and yes. not quite as I remembered it. So it was, so basically, continuing my rewatching, I thought I'd go back and rewatch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and see if that's ruined. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've restarted because I never finished Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ah, okay. Yeah. I dropped off after the first big main arcs with the, the heel turn and all the things. Yeah. I kind of dropped off not long after that. Um, I thought I'd watched more of it than I had, actually. Um, so now I thought, well, I've been doing all this rewatching. It's been ages. I didn't, you know, I was watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as it aired first time around. Yeah. So... I might as well just start back at the start again. So I watched the first couple of episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. over the last few days, sort of when traveling and things. And um, yeah, still don't like Sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I She's too cool and capable and she feels really heavy handed in how she's written at the beginning. And um, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes as the series progresses. Because she isn't like she sort of feel like she's supposed to be the the viewer POV a little bit, mm-hmm. the newcomer. I because that, obviously they use her for a lot of exposition. Yeah, yeah. But she's not relatable. That does change as the series goes on. I think she becomes less of that viewer character and more part of the team, and becomes sort of better. I think as the series goes on, because it just feels like you know when you watch a series and they need to reinvigorate the series, so they mm-hmm. introduce a teenager into it for no reason when yes. all the other characters are forty. It's a bit like that kind of feeling 
where the yeah. feisty newcomer turns up that has to be as skilled as the people who were there already yeah. somehow magically. So they have to be a child prodigy of some sort who's just always been there in the background somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels a little bit like that. It's an interesting one. So I, I will see if I like the character better this time, because the first time I watched it, I thought this role was written for Eliza Dushku. Right. Yes. <laughs> because I feel like I don't know if it's the directing, the writing, the actor's choices, or I don't know what it is. I can't specify, but it really felt like they intended the sky to be really attitude Yeah. And she isn't. She's just kind of sweet. Yes, I remember that, certainly in the earlier episodes. I mean, the the character settles as you go through the seasons. And one thing I do rather like about that, I mean, because you must have only watched a couple of seasons if you went through that initial heel arc. I like the fact that each season has a sort of overarching theme. And as you go through, it gets increasingly more ridiculous and more insane as they kind of go through each season. So I did rather like that series. And I think they ended it reasonably well. So yeah. I think I thought I watched a lot more of it than I actually have. I think I got through the first big arcs of things and then watched like half a season more or, or one season more after that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just it carried on and I'd I'd moved on to other things at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I stopped watching partly because I hadn't watched some of the films that crossed over with some of the bits because right. it was so tied in, especially at the beginning, yeah. right? Which, uh, yeah, and then towards the end, it just isn't. <laughs> so. Yeah, now I'm obviously much more up to date on all the films that came up. Yeah, yeah. at that time um, so now I can can watch it all the way through because um, yeah. I feel like I didn't give it enough of a chance although I really enjoyed the first few seasons I can't entirely remember why I never went back to it um, but we're, we're doing it now so yeah. you know Good. we'll see how that goes um, uh, what else am I watching Silo yes you've watched Silo right I've watched Silo yes the Apple TV show yeah I just finished season one of that what did you make of it I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really decent dystopian drama. I had a lot of fun. It's probably the wrong word, really, to say with that. But uh, I, I really like what they did with that first season. I'm, I mean, they don't give you a huge amount of answers by the end. But I mean, you get some things answered, but not everything. And I'm very interested to see where they go for the second season of it. Yeah, I haven't read the books. No, um, I, I would really like to, to sort of see the difference and things. I thought they captured the idea of it being a kind of slightly technologically frozen in time mm-hmm. dystopia, but with a very like it has a very sort of film noir-y kind of feel. Yes. It's dark. There's a, a murder mystery aspect. There's a kind of on the edge of being law enforcement, but not character, which kind of, you know, the, the work they're doing on the side kind of feels like private eye style investigating a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I can see that the use of color and everything's kind of unnatural and kind of sort of almost green tinged and the way it's lit and things. And I thought that was really interesting to making it feel uneasy. I did enjoy it. The pace on it is quite slow, but there's still a lot happening. So you're never bored. Yeah. I'm liking it. I want to see more because I I don't know the source material. I don't know how much to say. I don't want to say too many spoilers, but the thing I thought was going to be the reveal wasn't. And in fact, a different reveal that I'd kind of ruled out as an option based on hints they'd been red herring us with. So they did, they did actually kind of get me with that. Um, yeah, so yeah. I was I was like, oh, yeah, because I, you know, I often spot these things. I've studied film and um, I often say, OK, this is probably this. This is probably that. And I was a bit like, surely this is this. This would be a really big reveal. This this is probably what they're working up to this. Yeah. 
would kind of make sense. So I thought it was going to go a slightly different way at the end. Um, instead, it went something that would seem more obvious if they hadn't done a lot of very well done effort to lead you the wrong way. Yeah, I enjoyed it and I want to see another another season of it. It's based on a series of books. I haven't looked up how many books and I don't there know how are... close the series is to the books either. So I don't know if we're doing a series per book here or... Uh, kind of. There are nine books in the series. Looking at the plot line for the first book, they've not quite reached the end of the first book um, okay because that, they, they want to end on a cliffhanger they wanted to end it on the cliffhanger so i i think the start of the second season will pick up sort of the the last bit of that first book and then use the second book i would imagine mm, yeah i'm definitely interested to see more the production values the way they've used the budget the the way it feels like it very much feels like a lived in world. It feels very complete and they've done a really good job doing that. Like it, it is very grounded the way it feels mm. and very lived in. And um, there's a lot of detail, like attention to detail being paid with all the set dressing, the costumes, how grimy people's costumes are, depending on what level they live on in the silo. Yeah, It's got a lot of those things done really, really, really well. Like no room is empty. Everything is like written on drawn on posters mm-hmm. signs of how it was constructed um so whoever was responsible for all the set design costuming and stuff has done an amazing job there reminds me a little bit just because it's thematically a bit similar right um but like watching things like snowpiercer yes i get where you've got those yeah the, the different carts being different things not as dramatically as as snowpiercer does it that has a much more obvious like cut and dry class divide you know there's a um, luggage effectively class uh, at the back there's standard class and there's first class and it's wildly different yes um in something like snowpiercer but the way they've used kind of claustrophobic set building smaller sets because you've got a limited amount of space in either a train carriage or a silo you know Mm. yeah really really well done um it drew me in quite a lot so yeah i was a little bit disappointed to hear that the next season isn't coming out for ages yes obviously nothing's like shooting at the moment anyway because of the all the strike stuff but uh Mm -hmm. yes even before that it was going to be a couple of years before he actually landed so uh yeah it's going to be a while i mean by that point i will have finished agents of shield so i'll be all right (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. <laughs> so what other things have you been watching then apart from Silo? Yes, Silo finished a, a little bit ago, but Strange New Worlds came to its finale for its second season this week. That has been superb. That second season they've done a wonderful, wonderful job on. It actually leaves the finale ends on a cliffhanger. It introduces the Gorn again as mm. the sort of they seem to be the big bad that they're using in uh, Strange New Worlds because the Gorn popped up have popped up a couple of times across both seasons. And uh, obviously they've redesigned the Gorn from what it was in the original series. Because I, I know some people are kind of complaining about that, but I, you, I'm sorry. You kind of had to. You, you, you really have to. I, you know, yeah. I'm okay with that. It's fine. I thought it ended a really, really good place seemingly leaving them in a no-win scenario but i mean obviously they're going to get out of it in some, how, in some way when it comes back for the new season yeah and they know they're getting more seasons so we'll forgive them for leaving on a big cliffhanger yeah no they know that they know it's coming back but uh, have you seen this second season yet i have not seen all of it but i have seen some spoilers already so i kind of know what's happening yes um, okay. but yeah i'm part way through at the moment um but yeah i'm i'm like it's it's very trek you know it is. it's 
it's very enjoyable Trek. It is pure Trek. It's the yeah. what, what people had been asking for. And I love how they're balancing the flip back and forwards between some very silly episodes to some episodes which are far, far more serious. As I say, you had this, this odd sandwich of the crossover with Lower Decks episode, which was great. Then it flips into one which is about the war with the Klingons and sort of PTSD and, and war crimes and that sort of stuff. That's far more serious. And quite thought-provoking. And then you flip to the Subspace Rhapsody episode, which is the entire musical <laughs> episode. So it's just like there's this sort of back and forth between utterly ridiculous to, to be incredibly serious. I think Star really Trek well. can get away with that a bit more because they Absolutely. often set their episodes much further apart. Like when I was talking about something like Buffy, Buffy episodes happen like days or weeks apart. They're like one continuing narrative. Whereas Star Trek, especially anything styled more after the earlier ones, like there can be weeks or months between the episodes because it's like the tales of their life that are relevant. You know, it isn't just a complete date. It's it's not like watching a soap opera. Yeah. You know, and so they can kind of do that by sort of, you'd be kind of like realize actually this is not just happened the next day. Yeah. This is just the next thing that was worth making an episode about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that helps a lot with uh, giving them a bit more freedom. I think it's a smart move. Yeah. If you're a fan of Star Trek, I'm sure you're watching it already, but it is a really good jumping off point i think that series for people that maybe haven't really watched star trek before um i want to kind of get into it i think that's a really good series to to jump into as a start point very very enjoyable that series i mean i love the other seasons as as well you know discovery and lower decks lower decks i, I think is fabulous but um, I think if you want something that is very pure Trek, Strange New Worlds has really knocked it out of the park this season. It's been really good. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that return as well. And we know that at least two of the actors are absolutely lovely. Because yes, you because... very kindly sent me to interview them for you. <laughs> yes, you could go get that interview up on the YouTube channel. There's, uh, yeah, you went and spoke to Anson Mount and uh, Rebecca as well, didn't you? So... And Rebecca Romain likes my hair. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, before we were on camera, I don't have it proof on camera, but she said, oh, I really like your hair. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you, you're very happy about that. <laughs> I'm very happy. She's she's very tall. They're both very tall. <laughs> um, Good to know. Yeah. I, I, the, the fun thing at the end of that interview, so here's an here's a interesting bit of behind the scenes for anyone that watched the interview on your YouTube channel. Just after the camera turns off, I stand up and I headbutt the microphone. <laughs> of course you do. Because it's right above your head when you have to stand up to get up a chair. It's exactly, it's exactly in the worst place. <laughs> um, and I stood up and I headbutted the mic. Rebecca said, don't worry, everyone did that. The look on the people's faces around me indicated that probably wasn't the case. Um, uh, but I was going to tell her that, that she's also my favourite mystique. Yes, yes. And I didn't get to because I was too busy apologising for headbutting the mic <laughs> to whoever had their headphones on. And that was just, just the loudest thing they'd ever heard in their life. Um, but there you go. So, yeah. Yes, just deafened the sound recordist. Um, also on Paramount Plus, I got through the first half of season one of Quantum Leap. The second half is out on the 24th. Have you watched any of these? Because they are on Paramount Plus as well. I haven't. I, uh, people keep telling me they're pretty good and I should though. Yes. 
They are. I would say it's done a good enough job of being a continuation series as well as being a sort of revamp of the idea as well. The original show, we know Sam Beckett, basically they were trying to shut the Quantum Leap project down. So he jumps into the accelerator to basically sort of prove that it works. And that's what sets off the first show. With this version, you've got a character called Ben Song and the project is is up and running running again. It's all officially sanctioned. They're trying to get the time travel thing working and making sure that they don't lose people in time like they did with Sam Beckett. But Ben unexpectedly goes and jumps into the accelerator and they're not entirely sure the reason why he did it because he wasn't the person that was supposed to be leaping. It was supposed to be his girlfriend that went as well. So the setup is slightly different because you've got this mystery of like, why did Ben jump into the accelerator in the first place? You actually see what's going on at the Quantum Leap headquarters, which they didn't really do in the original series. It was all based mainly around Sam and Al coming to sort of help him, but it was pretty much always set in the time period, whereas this has a lot of stuff that is also set back at the accelerator. So you're meeting a lot of the team that are there, which is led by Ernie Hudson, who plays a character called uh, Herbert Magic Williams. He's the head of the Quantum Leap Project. If you know the original series, you'll know that name as well, which is an interesting sort of clip back to the original series. You've also got Mason Alexander Park in there. Is Ian Wright, who is the chief architect of the AI for Quantum Leap. It's still called Ziggy. And Cartlin Bassett, who plays Addison, who is Ben's fiance and fills the role Al did in the first one. So she's sort of in the imaging chamber and helping him out. She plays the hologram. That also changes that dynamic of that relationship because, of course, when Ben leaps, he loses all his memories. You've then got this relationship with his fiance that is trying to guide him through, but he doesn't know it's his fiance. So there's, there's that going on as well. It's been really good. It's very sort of modern network sci-fi drama, but Mm. they've done a really nice update of it, you know, without sort of treading on the toes of the original. They've used that as history and they've stepped it forward. They've not made it an identical copy. They've kept, you know, all the sort of, you know, jumping through history elements. So you've got all that and he's got to solve whatever the issue is to be able to leap into a new body. But the reason for him doing it is very different. The setup of that is all very different. And you've also got the additional element of the things going on back at the accelerator itself. I really like what they did with that. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes for the second half of season one. That's coming back on the 24th. And uh, it is one of the few network shows which is actually going to be going out in their full season. So it'll be out in the autumn for season two in the US. It will then probably land in 2024 for season two over here as well. But it's one of the few scripted shows which is actually going out over there. So uh, yeah, I would urge you to go and check that out on on Paramount Plus. It is worth watching, certainly. I've been hearing good things. I think it was just like, I don't know, I I need to just let go of my nostalgia a little bit and and give it a chance, I think. Because I had the same thing, which is really silly because it's much better thing, but um, with uh, Leverage. Do you ever watch Leverage? Yes. Yeah, I haven't Um, seen it, but yes, I'm aware. Yeah. Leverage is preposterous. It is so silly and funny and ridiculous. And they said they were bringing it back, but with not the whole cast and with some new members of cast. And I was just like, oh, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I've watched a couple of episodes of it and it, it I was worried it was going to be all serious. They would have lost the vibe from the original and, and this kind yeah. of But actually, it's pretty funny and it's just as stupid. Good. So um, I'm probably going to watch that and I, I need to do the same thing with Quantum Leap. I need to give that one a chance as well. Yeah, certainly think you should. Over on Apple TV, there's a new animated series called Strange Planet, which is a really interesting one. It's hard to explain. It's from Dan Harmon, who is the left problematic half of the Rick and Morty 2, and Nathan W. Pyle, who wrote a bunch of webcomics that the series is based on. It follows this planet that is not unlike our own. It's populated by these blue beings, and they sort of have these hilarious, poignant observations on life, love, and friendship told in a really odd way. So it's sort of looking at the absurdity of everyday human life and traditions, you know, things that we do, like, I don't know, it can be something like celebrating birthdays or Mm. how we have domesticated animals. So they're sort of playing substitute for humans. Um, okay. But they're very literal in the way that, that they talk. So, like, I think cats are referred to as vibrating creatures because they purr. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Dogs are referred to as moral creatures, you know. So so uh, <laughs> they're quite literal in the way that they describe things. So the language is quite interesting. It's sort of almost taken from the point of view is if an alien race was observing humans and making a TV show about them for the alien race with the aliens playing the humans. It kind of feels a bit like that. So it's a little odd, but it's not the sort of big over-the-top violent silliness that you get with something like Rick and Morty. It's far sweeter than that. It's really quite enjoyable and very, very sweet. Uh, This look of the sort of various absurdities that we take for granted in human life, but it's kind of spotlighting them. Like, yeah, if you looked at that from an outsider, that is a bit weird, you know? So I kind of like what they're doing with it. The first couple of episodes are out on uh, Apple TV at the moment, but uh, that's called Strange Planet. It's an animated series. New episodes are dropping on Friday. That I think is worth taking a look at. Yeah, definitely. Like I don't know anything about that one, so thanks for putting it on my radar. Yes, I, I would go take a look at that. There are only sort of 20, 25 minute episodes as well. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting little, little animated show that. Only Murders in the Building is back for season three. There's a couple of episodes of that up on Disney+. Plus. Uh, really rather enjoying that. I love that show. It's wonderfully silly and over the top. Three people obsessed with a true crime podcast played by Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez. And uh, they've done two seasons where they've basically solved the sort of murder that they're making the podcast about. Third season, Martin Short's character is a Broadway director and he's about to put on his own show. We kind of saw what was happening at the end of the last season. Paul Rudd's character basically dies on stage and we think that's what the thing is going to be about. But they twist that in a couple of interesting directions in those opening two episodes. There's a couple of interesting misdirects with that. The show is called Only Murders in the Building and, of course, Paul Rudd's character died on stage. I'm just saying they resolve that in the opening couple of episodes of uh, season three. Really, really enjoyable. If you've not seen that, worth going to check out on Disney Plus that one. Yeah, I think I've seen clips of that 
And it's got me intrigued because it looks like fun. Oh, yes. It's a lot of fun. This really, is, this is really the people that. putting clips of shows on TikTok that then makes me watch shows. Um, <laughs> it, it works. <laughs> yes, definitely worth going to check that out because it's really, really good. There was one other show that I watched on Netflix as well, which is called Glamorous, which okay. um, unfortunately I think is probably not going to make it past its first season not because of any quality of of the show it's just it's netflix and uh, it really does deserve a second season because it is wonderfully funny it follows a character called marco who is this young makeup enthusiast and he's working at a makeup counter very openly gay and he's doing these makeup youtube things trying to get sort of become an influencer and stuff and one day when he's working this makeup counter this beauty mogul called madeline addison shows up who is played by King Control. Uh, Marco's played by Miss Benny. And Madeline's rather taken with Marco and invites him to become her second assistant at her makeup firm, which is called Glamorous by Madeline. And it becomes a sort of office comedy and you're following Marco as he sort of gets involved in, in this world. It turns out that the company is in trouble and they need to sort of revitalize it because Glamorous by Madeline is a big sort of Estee Lauder type heritage brand and it needs to move a bit more with the times and she's not really done that and it's sort of whether Marco can push them into uh, that sort of area. So say Kim Cattrall plays Madeline, Miss Benny plays Marco, um, she's great in that role. Reminds me a bit of Ugly Betty in some ways. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's kind of that, but with a very inclusive gay cast, I would say. But I think it's really funny and it's a fun little series. It's on Netflix right now. It was released in June and they've not said anything about a renewal yet, which makes me think it, it might not get one. But as a one-off little series, I think it's still worth taking a look at. I mean, it may come back still. They may renew it, but... Yeah, and it's Kim Cattrall. I mean, yeah. just... She owns the screen whenever she's on it, right? <laughs> she's incredibly watchable. Miss Benny is fantastic. I mean, this is the first time I think she's done a major TV role. Weirdly, her background is not that dissimilar to Marco's in the fact that started posting YouTube videos and then sort of moved on from there and then has done some music stuff as well. Then I popped up in a couple of acting gigs, but this is the first sort of major lead role that she's had on something just great as Marco and very charismatic and watchable. So I think could see quite a lot more of, uh, of her doing stuff. But yes, that's called Glamorous. It's on Netflix. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
we kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, one cancellation, which I'm kind of sad about, is 10%, which was the UK version of Call My Agent, that massive Netflix French series, which uh, appeared on Prime in the UK. Had a really, really good cast, and it sounds like it wasn't purely about the numbers. The production company that was involved in producing it collapsed. So that sort of added to it. And I don't think the numbers were quite as high as they necessarily wanted them to be for it either. But uh, I think the fact that the production company collapsed and there was a change of management at at, um, Amazon as well. So it was just a bunch of things conspiring against it, unfortunately. But it was one of those shows that you kind of looked at and thought, I wish the BBC had taken this because it feels very, very much like it could have been, you know, if it had been on the BBC, it would have been a huge, huge hit, I think. It very much had that sort of office vibe Mm. of incredibly funny, but also slightly cringy. And you're going, no, don't do that. Just really, really good. And it's it's a shame it wasn't somewhere else where it got more eyes on it, I think. Whilst it's not been picked up, by Prime, I do hope that maybe somebody else could take it, but given the production company behind it isn't around anymore, I don't know whether that's likely to happen, unfortunately. But yes, 10% has gone. That will not be coming back. Colin from Accounts, which is a Australian comedy series, that's been renewed for a second season. It has also been announced that the BBC have picked up the second season because they ran the first season as well. And uh, ITV have renewed the drama The Tower for season three ahead of uh, the season two premiere, which is coming later in August as well. In uh, pickups and other news, we have got a few dates for TV shows. So, uh, so help me, Todd. That has now got a premiere date. That's a CBS drama coming on Tuesday, the 29th of August, and it's coming to Alibi in the UK. This stars Macy Gay Harden, who you'll probably know from Law and Order, and uh, she was in the morning show as well. And Skylar Astin, who you know from the wonderful Zoe's Extraordinary playlist. They star as a razor sharp, meticulous attorney, Margaret Wright and Todd, her talented but aimless son who she hires as her law firm's in-house investigator. It's a fairly sort of straightforward setup. It looks like it's quite good fun. I think it went down okay in the US, been renewed for a second season. If you like those sort of crime dramedy things, it's uh, called So Help Me Todd. That's coming on the 29th of August to Alibi. Starstruck Season 3, that has got an air date now. That is coming on the 28th of August. That's a Monday on BBC Three. And then a couple of days later, it goes out on BBC One as well. And it'll be on iPlayer. So you can go check out third season of that. BBC have also picked up a Australian drama called Black Snow, which stars Travis Flimmel, who you'll know from the lead role in Vikings. Turns out, I mean, his accent in every single show is completely different, but he is actually Australian. So uh, it makes sense that he'd be the lead in an Australian drama. Is this the first time they've got to use their original accent? Uh, certainly, <laughs> I think the first time that I've I've seen him with his original accent is something. Yeah, he's done American and he was in Vikings with his sort of Nordic accent. And uh, yeah, now he's, he's doing this. This is a six-part crime drama. I think it's a one-off thing. A small town Australian high school gathers for a ceremonial opening of a time capsule buried by the class some 20 years ago, shortly after the murder of a classmate. 
Street. The family and the police are shocked when the cat's field is open to reveal cryptic messages from the person that was murdered with a written statement. I think Travis plays the detective that is investigating it. So, uh, yeah, I think that could be quite good. And a uh, few people that have seen it have posted saying, oh, yeah, that's a really good drama. So if, if you like those sort of crime drama stuff, that will be on. It's airing on BBC4 and iPlayer. We don't have a date for it yet, but it'll be on BBC4 and iPlayer. It's called Black Snow. Welcome to Wrexham Season 2. That has a premiere date of the 13th of September, which is a Wednesday on Disney+. Plus. I'm really looking forward to that coming back because, I, like you, I don't really do football, but that's such a funny show and follows the buying of Wrexham Football Club. But it's really wonderful, that show. Top Boy, fifth and final season of that, got 7th of September from, on Netflix. That is now landing. And Fall of the House of Usher, which is a horror series based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe. That's got a premiere date of the 12th of October on Netflix. It's from Mike Flanagan, who is the creator of The Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Blind Manor and various other things on Netflix. Although it is probably his Netflix's last project because he signed an overall deal with Prime now. So all these new shows will be going on to uh, Prime instead. So I think it's probably the last thing he's doing for Netflix. But uh, yeah, that will be a horror series based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe, that one. Moving on to uh, strike updates, which we're doing each week at the moment. So there's a few new bits and pieces. There was a, a meeting with the writers again on Friday. They are mulling over the, the proposals that the studios have made. We don't know what the results of that are yet. We don't know whether it's any good. But I mean, they came out of the negotiations last week, basically saying they refused to move on anything. What's the point? So at least they've now gone back. And it sounds like they've come up with something that at least the writers are prepared to actually look at this time. We should know a little bit more about that, hopefully over this week, about whether there is anything in there that the writers can actually work with. So maybe some movement on that side of things. Still nothing on the actors, but it's kind of more important that they get the writers back to work before they get the actors back to work, because the actors can't do anything unless they've got scripts. So so sort of makes sense to deal with them first. There's that. There was a comment from the former boss of some of the Law and Order shows who said many dramas would have begun shooting their fourth episode this week. She was talking last week. If the strike was somehow to end by Labor Day, which is the 4th of September, and shooting was to begin early in the fall, the networks might be able to salvage 13 episode seasons, but the clock keeps ticking. Basically saying that, that you're not going to get full seasons of any of those big network procedural shows this year but you yeah. might with get procedural a shows you can at least drop some episodes out with anything that's more episodic with single plot lines though this is obviously like much more of a big kind of weight on them trying to to kind of rewrite stuff with whatever time they're going to have left to shoot right well yeah that is the problem and it was like when the pandemic restrictions ended they managed to get some episodes in the can and got some things out sort of late october november but it was like three or four episodes here and there and then there was a big break over christmas and then they sort of came back the new year it it could be that again but i mean you've got to bear in mind that they've got to have both strikes ended by the 4th of september not just the writer's strike you would need the writer's strike ended by the 4th you could give it a couple more weeks possibly after that to get the actors on board but unless they can end both strikes in september 
you ain't getting anything. So there is that. And you know, speaking of actors, there was a comment from Billy Porter, who you might know from the drama Pose, which won him an Emmy. He's actually come out and said that he's had to sell his house due to the financial strain of the strike. And an anonymous Hollywood executive that quoted that the goal was to drag the strike out until the writers and actors were forced to sell their homes. And he responded by saying to the person who said, we're going to starve them out until they have to sell their apartments. You've already starved me out. I mean, he's basically saying, because we're on strike until you make FU money, which I haven't made yet, we're still living paycheck to paycheck. And again, it kind of highlights the fact that somebody like Billy Porter, you know, was on Pose, which was a huge drama. He was on FX. He won an Emmy for it. And he's still in that position. And that is why they're striking in the first place, you know? Yeah, I just hope that they can they can make fair agreements i don't think they're just going to be able to wait it out and get them to to cave in this case like it would have happened already and there's just so much kind of animosity at the moment and so many people's careers are suffering as a result including you know those networks and things that that don't want to change the deals and change things but there's things like i saw the creator of squid games didn't really make any money mm-hmm. at all um yeah. that you know just nothing and that idea led to this international phenomenon much as i don't know all the financials and all the exact numbers of these things i'm not part of hollywood it's obvious that there is a massive difference and there's a massive inequity in the amount people are paid for a bunch of different reasons well, and if this is this is one of them then hopefully they can get it to be a little bit fairer well as we said before the streaming residual thing are one of the biggest problems in that the actors and writers are paid a flat fee for their work on a show particularly applies to the actors but also the writers and they are are paid a flat fee based on the amount that they were paid when they were hired for the series so said from an actor's point of view and for the guy that did squid game netflix are taking a punt on something like squid game working so the amount of money that he gets up front is going to be very low and if you look at uh, you know huge shows like um Heartstopper, the leads in that were unknown. So the chances are the amount that they get paid up front is relatively small. But the problem is that the residuals at the moment are tied to the amount that they're paid initially and the amount of subscribers on that particular streaming service. They're not paid on how popular the show is. So you could be on the biggest show or have written or created the biggest show on the streaming service, but the money that you're actually getting from the residuals of that are absolutely minuscule. And that is the thing that they're trying to turn around because the actors and writers want the residuals to be related to the success of the show, not on this weird system that they've got at the moment. And the streaming services are are fighting that. The other thing is is the use of AI and digital actors, which is interesting given, you know, what you've just been talking about in terms of doing mocap for, for things, because, I mean, that's the other thing for the actors was there are situations where people are, are doing the sort of things that you were doing in terms of being scanned and, and stuff. But the Hollywood studios are trying to then say, okay, we can keep that scan of you and basically insert you wherever we like in whatever we like now. Yeah, I saw that. So anyone who works, especially people that work 
work as supporting artists yeah. are therefore losing potentially all those future jobs while still also somehow starring in the background and scenes in future jobs without any control over what that was. They could put you as a, you know, I, I don't know, let's use an extreme example for ease here, but they could make you a background Nazi in a movie. Yes. In a future where they were portrayed as the good guys. Um, you know, it's... um Yeah. It's it's quite a scary thing to think someone could own your image. I wasn't digitally scanned in at all. Right. Okay. Um, I was just doing mocap. There was no scanning of my face or anything. Yeah. But yeah, there's such a, a possibility where they're sneaking because I've seen, I've read about that sneaking those clauses in where it just says we can use those perpetually mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to we'll just use those on this thing that we've paid you to work in. Yeah. And that's just it's just sort of a, an advantageous kind of grab of data by some big companies and no just pay people each time you use their image or get them back in and get them to do the work again or exactly people yeah. have to have a say on their own likeness it's signing away your face forever could mean that you could turn up in things that were you know not just to do with the pay but just morally yes um, yeah absolutely. You, you weren't okay with yeah completely and i mean you said before actors and writers complaining about sort of the amount of money they're getting it may seem like oh you know poor hollywood stars but the, what they're fighting for are not the hollywood stars it is the people that are the 90 percent of people that make up the actors union and a large percentage of the the writers that aren't even making enough money to get their medical cover kick in. They're jobbing background actors and staff writers and that sort of stuff. And they're not making a livable wage. And given that the amount of stuff that they're producing, they really, really should at least be able to make enough to live off. Hopefully this all gets resolved soon. And there is some positive steps by the sounds of it, but we'll we'll see what comes out of that. There is one other thing that was announced, which was on HBO. They've ordered a new comedy series. And it's from Sam Mendes, John Brown, and Armando Iannucci. Some of those names you'll know. It's called The Franchise, and the series follows the crew of an unloved franchise movie who are fighting for their place in a savage, unruly cinematic universe. The franchise shines a light on the secret chaos inside the world of superhero movie making and asks the question, how exactly does the cinematic sausage get made? Because every F-up has an origin story. It's got Himash Patel, who you might know from Avenue 5 and Tenet, Aya Cash in there from The Boys, Jessica Hines is in there from Space, Billy Magnuson from Bridge of Spies and Made for Love, Lottie Adafop from Ghost, Darren Goldstein from The Affair and Ozark, Isaac Powell from American Horror Story, Daniel Brewer from uh, who is uh, Zemo in the MCU, ironically, uh, and The Alienist, and the legendary Richard E. Grant, who, of course, we last saw in Loki and from With No Line and a million other things as well. So the cast is fantastic. Uh, Sam Mendes, of course, the uh, guy behind Skyfall and 1917 and Spectre and all those films. John Brown was the creator of the brilliant Dead Pixels, the uh, E4 series, and he wrote and exec produced on things like Succession and Avenue 5 and V. So he's going to be the showrunner of it. And uh, Amando Iannucci is co-creator of it, who, of course, is the person behind Veep and the thick of it and Avenue 5. I mean, it sounds like they're sort of thick of it, Veeping the superhero Hollywood franchise movie, which I'm totally down for. (laughs) I don't know a huge amount about this one, but I am already interested because, I mean, there's so many good names in there. We know they can write comedy. This just seems like a perfect mix, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sam Mendes, directed the pilot for it John Brown if you've not seen Dead Pixels go and look it up I imagine it's still on the E4 but it's around and certainly you can go and find it because that if you're a gamer that show was just really funny 
and uh, Amanda Iannucci has been brilliant. Avenue 5, maybe slightly off-kilter, but uh, Veep and the thick of it and a lot of the stuff he does has been superb. So I think this is a really, really good team-up and called the franchise. It's on HBO. It, it looks like it was ordered for HBO, which means it should fall under the Sky deal. So it should be on Sky Atlantic or Sky Comedy in the UK when it comes out. We don't have a you know, know when this is going to start filming yet because, again, everybody's still on strike. But, uh, yeah, it is in the works. So uh, that's called the franchise. That's all the news we've got for this week. We've just got some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week. We have The Bold Type, which is an older show, but they're dropping seasons one to five on BBC iPlayer on the 16th of August at 9pm. It's a comedy drama about three friends who work at Scarlet, a global women's magazine. That will actually be a premiere for the fifth season because the other four seasons have aired in various places, but the fifth season's never aired in the UK. So, uh, if you want to catch that, the fifth season will be on iPlayer on the 16th of August. The Chosen One, which is a series based on the American Jesus comic book from Mark Miller that is coming to Netflix on the 16th of August so you can capture that as well Sendition season 3 the third and final season of that is coming to ITVX on the 17th of August having bounced around various dates but they're finally set in that the FBI series are back so that's FBI season 5 17th of August at 9pm FBI International season 2 that's 17th of August at 10pm and FBI most wanted season four that's 18th of august at 9 p.m they're all on sky witness savor those because as i mentioned earlier you're not going to be getting procedurals for probably quite a while those have now landed you'll be able to at least watch them shelter which is a new series based on the new york times best selling novel series by Harlan Coben that's uh, not coming to Netflix which most of the Harlan Coben stuff has it's actually going to Prime Video so that's on the 18th of August that's called Shelter Joe Pickett which is a new series based on the best-selling books from CJ Box it's uh, about a game warden in uh, Wyoming a town as beautiful and charming as it is corrupt and dangerous that is coming the 20th of August to Paramount Plus that's called Joe Pickett All-American Season 5, that is the high school football drama that lands on ITVX on the 20th of August. Ghosts US, the actually rather good US adaptation of the absolutely brilliant British version. BBC Three, that lands and iPlayer on the 21st of August at 8pm. That actually, they did a really good job of that. That's Season 2 of Ghosts US. Dark Winds, which is uh, coming for Season 2, that lands on AMC global on the 21st of august at 8 p.m and the neighborhood returns for season five on e4 and the 22nd august at 2 p.m that is back for that comedy that is everything coming next week there's some uh, interesting stuff in there certainly i will be watching ghosts definitely if people want to find more of you where can they find you i am on all of the social medias and at this point that means all the social medias (laughs) blue sky and threads and tiktok and twitter and instagram and everything i have lost track of how many social medias i am now on Uh, but i'm 
on all of the socials as Trista Bites, spelled B-Y-T-E-S, because I thought I was being funny. Uh, I've also got historical interviews linked up from various different YouTube channels on my YouTube channel, including the uh, link to the Star Trek one that we talked about earlier that's on Geek Town. Uh, and you can also find me streaming on Twitch on a regular basis, doing a mix of gaming, chatting, charity fundraising, comedy, and everything in between. Yes, so go and check Bex out on uh, Trista Bites. That's uh, Bites with a Y, so go and check her out over there. For other people involved in the show, you can, of course, go and find Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots more podcasts. I imagine his Menu podcast is back as well. Daryl, you can find at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV shows which you love, which are shot in Canada. For us, you can go to the website at geekdown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on X, Twitter, whatever it's called these days. Facebook.com forward slash Geektown. YouTube at YouTube.com forward slash Geektown. Instagram at Geektown UK. TikTok at Geektown UK. Threads at Geektown UK. And we're also on Blue Sky. We're under Geektown on Blue Sky. So you can go and find us on there. So that is everything. We will be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.